So my name is Jonathan. Um, by God's loving grace, right? I'm a, one of the pastors here. And we're going to have a conversation today. And um, I don't know. I'm feeling a little different today. That's all right with you. Um, I don't know. I might come down there have a conversation with you, like I said earlier. And we're just going to uh, have a conversation because when, when I'm up here, I'm not talking at you. I'm talking with you. Okay, that's a big difference. Right? We're, just, we're having a conversation. Okay, and I think that that's good. And um, for our conversation today, Pastor this year has a, a theme, right, um, for our church, and it's discipleship, right? Disciple, to be students, to be learners. So I'm going to give you a couple of Bible verses today, and I just want you to take a moment to write them down on a piece of paper. Um, put me down, Ben. If not, I'll grab the other mic, Ben. Let me know. Um, write it down. Write it down on your phone, whatever you can. Just write it down, and then what we're going to do is throughout the week, guess what? You can read them on your own time. You can study it. Um, that's part of our, of our walk today in our, in our walk with God. We've been on this series called uh, talking, Speaking About Grace, right? And we have a definition about grace that we're going to talk about in a few moments. But I guess my, my goal today is just to, how can I say this, maybe push you a little more um, into grace. Okay, that's all. I, I, I don't want to be long. Um, I'm Puerto Rican. I talk a lot. I can get loud sometimes. So I'm trying to calculate all that in there. Um, I don't know. Give me 20 minutes. Is that all right? Can we do 20 minutes? It's okay. And then you could go have lunch, um, eat some donuts, whatever you like doing. I like eating, I like eating donuts. Um, so, Grace, we're speaking. <laughs> Amen. That's what I'm talking about. I was thinking the other day, I wonder if there was a Dunkin' Donuts in the time of Jesus. Will he have meetings in Dunkin' Donuts? I don't know. I think he would. You know, I asked the cashier, hey, give me, give me 12 cups of coffee, you know. Give me 12 glazed donuts. A couple extra for the other people. Why not? I don't know. I like donuts. I think they're made from God. Grace is the merited favor of God, the divine influence upon the heart. And its reflection in the life of a believer. Grace is the favor of God. We've been speaking about that, correct? Um, for, for a couple of weeks already. Grace is the favor of God. So it's something that God is literally doing for you. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 2.8 really quick. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Write that down. Ephesians 2.8. Highlight it on your Bible app, whatever you want to do. Okay, um, because it's, it's, it's good to, to know that grace has been given to you. It's a gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So we're believing this grace. That's what the writer is saying here. We're believing this grace. So grace is something that is happening for you. Okay, why? How do we know that? Well, look at the verse. It says, and this is not your own doing. So grace is happening for you. I'm going to teach a little bit today, okay? So, so follow me. Stay with me. Write some stuff down. So we understand now that grace is happening for you. It is not something that you have done, nothing that you will do. Grace is something that has happened for you. And guess what? It is the gift of God. It is a gift. This grace, Noelito, this grace, right, that we're talking about, it's a gift for you. So you have to do nothing, right? You don't have to, to act a certain way, dress a certain way, perform certain rituals, 
right? Certain things. Nah, it's just given to you. It's a gift. Got it? It's a gift of God. Now, look at this. Let's go to John 3.16. Because what is this gift of God? Well, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Gifts are given to people. Okay? So when, great, when, when the father wanted to have grace upon you, he gave you something. It was his son. His only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is really cool because now we understand that God is doing something for me. That he's giving me a gift. That he has given me his son. And his son has done something for me, has given me grace. And now I am saved through what he has done. But as I look at the scripture even a little further, kind of read between the lines, I realize that grace is not only something that God the Father gives me, right? Or sorry, it's, it's grace is not something only that, that God is doing for me, right? It's a person that he gives me. There's a person here. Grace is a person. Grace is a person that is with me, but also that the Father God has given to me. He's given me the gift, which is his son. I have Jesus Christ in my life as a gift. Grace has been given to me, but I also understand now that it is a person, not just something that happens. Are you following me? So the grace of God is something that happens for me, but it is also something that happens to me, and it is something that God has given to me. It is someone that God has literally given to me as a gift. We understand that. Grace now can also be considered Jesus the Christ or the Son of God. So when grace is upon you, it's not only that something is happening to you, there's a person being revealed to you also. The person of Jesus Christ. You follow me? So grace matters then in how we give it to people. Because I've come to understand now that when I show grace to people... I'm just not doing something for them. I'm revealing to them a person. Everybody following me? There's a person that I'm revealing. There's a character. Guess what? There's a relationship that I'm revealing. There's an individual that I have met that now I am displaying to somebody. How I show grace to people, it matters. Why? Because they're going to identify grace not only as a thing, but a person. So if grace is a person that I can reveal, I have to ask him, how did he reveal himself? What did he do for people? Well, let's go to that. Is that okay? Can we do that? Romans 5.8. Write that down. This is quick today. I'm almost done. Isn't that good? <laughs> Belly rumbling. Blah, blah, blah. You're about to... Romans 5 But Christ proved God's compassionate love. And I'm reading it from the Passion Translation because I just like the wording. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. 
But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's another version, translation. So, so God wanted to give me grace, does something for me through his son, and reveals the person of Christ to me. Now, I, I, I have to understand that he revealed his, the person of Christ to me while I was still a sinner. So when I'm going to give somebody grace, it doesn't mean that they have to have everything aligned and correct. When I am going to show someone grace, since God the Father showed me grace and gave me grace while I was a sinner, I too can reflect that because now that I am reflecting that, that allows me to be a son. You see, we cannot choose, and I love the way Vicky she, she worded it earlier. She said that we cannot choose whom we show grace to. We cannot choose that. You see, Christ didn't have a conversation with the Father and said, <clears throat> okay, let's look at all humanity. This one deserve it, this one, this one, not this one, not, definitely not that one. This one, yeah, this one, yeah, he's on the line. Let's wait a little while. That conversation never happened. It was literally the Father saying, I want a relationship with humanity. Christ saying, listen, I'll embrace all of them. They can now live through me. I'll show them grace. So when I am reflecting grace to people, the, their condition that they're living in doesn't matter to me. I don't worry about their condition. Because I understand that many are convinced of God's love and God's grace, but they're not converted by it yet. Let's write that down as a point. How about that? Point one, we have to go from being convinced of God's grace to converted by God's grace. You see, some are converted already, but before you were converted, you were convinced. I know people right now who don't come to church at all, and they know that, God's love, God, that God loves them. They know that there's a God. They're convinced. But they're not converted by that person, Jesus. They're not converted yet. Did you know that when Christ chose the disciples, they weren't converted? They were actually just convinced? So for those that want to be chosen by God right now, and that are saying, God, I, I want you to use me, but I don't know. I'm kind of wavering in some stuff. Good news. You have to start off convinced first. And then you go into conversion. <clears throat> when, the, when the church rejects people because they see people that are convinced not, and, that's not, and, they're, and they're not converted, we become religious. We literally become what Scripture calls the Pharisees. So whenever there's people that are walking to the church, that are worshiping, that are trying. We see them, but then that they're posting some stuff that we know is contrary. We see some stuff in their lifestyle that we know that's kind of shaky. We cannot be judging them for them just being convinced. We have to be a reflection of grace and allow them to walk into a path where now they can become converted. Imagine Jesus re re Rejecting disciples because they were not converted as soon as, they, as soon as Jesus said, walk with me. Imagine that. Imagine that. 
we would have no Peter. Because Peter was one of the individuals who's, yo, Jesus, I'm down with you. I'm going to ride with you. But when it got tough, we realized that what? He was convinced, but not converted. <laughs> because conversion does something to you. When, when you're converted by grace, you have actually not just received something. You encounter someone. You encountered the person of Jesus Christ. So there is no way that you can even think the same because you encounter truth. There is no way your, your talk starts changing. Why? Because you encountered grace. You encountered the person of Jesus Christ. There, there's no way you can start gossiping about people the way you used to. Why? Because you, you encounter Jesus. You encounter truth. There's no way you start backbiting and, and lying about people and secretly hating. Why? Because you've, you've encountered a person called Jesus and conversion brings you into the reality of his truth, not your truth. <clears throat> Am I doing okay so far? Where's the camera guys at? Bring the camera guys up here. We're going we're gonna to walk around a little bit. Bring them up here, Phil, wherever you're at. We got, we got to talk to people about this stuff. Seriously. Seriously. Because, oh gosh, I'm going to do something. We got Justin Bieber, right? Who does a couple gospel songs. Oh, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Just an example. Don't throw stones at me. And I realized that he's convinced. But if the church wants to, oh my God, Justin Bieber, you're, you're talking about Christ in one song, and the next song says you're, you get your stuff from Cali, the good version. And we start judging. Why are you doing this, Justin Bieber? Stop. You're shaming the gospel. But we're not realizing that he's convinced. And it's our job to disciple him to be converted. And we're so fast and so easy to reject individuals because now we're getting it right. When I don't know about you, but it's taken me quite a while. And I'm still on this journey. It's taken me some time. Conversion is actually happening every day in my life because every day there is a new, literally a new page of Christ being revealed to me. You Listen, I'm telling you, God is so deep. Christ is so deep. You'll continuously study about him. You'll continuously read and fast and separate. But there is so much revelation in him that it's just, my gosh, every day there's a new breath. So my conversion is continuously, it's continuous. It keeps on going. My conversion now can now be a reflection to those who are convinced. So they can realize if I can do it, you can do it too. You can do it too. I, I, I've realized that, hey, Vinny, if I start walking around, is it going to be like, beep, something like that? Be all right? All right. <clears throat> Speaker, which one? Okay. Maybe I'll stay here. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to come down right now. So check this out. In my life, right, um, there was a time in my life where I, I was convinced of God. And I was convinced of him because of what my parents taught me. They used to go to church, stuff like that. And then I'm on, I'm 15, I started living on my own, stuff like that. But I was convinced that there was a God. But I wasn't living like I knew there was a God always like, you know. So what happens? I've 
had a couple conversations with some individuals that wanted to convert me. But they wanted to convert me in the instant. In the instant. Not realizing that discipleship is actually a relationship. But not realizing that when Christ called the disciples, he actually spent time with them. It, it cost them something, pa. Th- think about this. The Savior of the world is taking out time to, to call a couple people. And, and there's a religious mindset that we have to do away with that we think that, okay, I'm going to preach to you the gospel. You all are going to be converted. That can happen. There's this dude in Scripture called Saul. Then he goes into Paul. Boom. Conversion like that. If I would have saw that light, I would have been converted to him. But it happened. It can happen. But I've realized most of the time that that's not the way it goes. It's just not. And I've realized that if we are able to embrace individuals, see, that's the thing, though. In order to embrace individuals, it's going to cost them something. But when you're converted, you're willing to pay a price. Because you encounter truth. You encounter the person. And now I want everybody to know about this person. See, because it bothers me that not everybody in my sphere of influence knows this person. Because I know there's eternity without him, with him. Now that's a reality. That's a truth in my life. So sometimes I have to get uncomfortable in order to start not only bringing people from being convinced, but to be converted. Is that all right? Sometimes we have to get uncomfortable in our walk. Ask yourself this question really quick. Camera guys, I know in Dito, they're over here like, what is this guy doing? It's all right. It's all right. How you doing? But not you. I'm just talking to you, but everybody. We have to ask ourselves, how uncomfortable do I make myself in order to bring somebody into relationship and allow them to come into conversion? I, I have to ask myself that question. Because, listen, I work a lot. And I work hard. I work hard for my money, right? I do. And I work a lot. I do. And, and the little stuff that I have, and the little stuff that I do have, I work hard for it. And, but I've realized that sometimes I can be so indulged in what I want that I don't realize there's other people out there in my own sphere even, they'll actually need something that I carry. But I'm not giving it to them because I got my conversion. I, I got my conversion. I'm good. I got my fire insurance already. <laughs> Point number two. He acts little of those who do not follow him. And he acts a lot of those who do. You see, when, when you want to follow Christ, he's going to ask a lot from you. And that's my point. Are we willing to say, God acts a lot from me? Because true Christianity doesn't just allow me and my household to be saved. 
to Christianity allows a whole influence around me, a whole people to be converted. So guess what? He asks a lot from me. He does, but it's because I chose to follow him. You know why he doesn't ask the same from others? Guess what? Because they're not following him. So why can I be mad with somebody that they're not doing the same or paying the same price when they're convinced and not converted? And they didn't say, Christ, I'm going to follow you. Many are called, but you, few are chosen. There's a lot, there's a lot, but there's few laborers. And that's my point. There's few laborers, and guess what? I have to be okay with that, Danny. I can't get mad about that. That I'm paying the price. Girl, let me tell you something. I fought some devils in my life. I'm serious. I fought some devils in my life, personally, for people. There's some times that I couldn't sleep. Two, three o'clock in the morning, God waking me up, paying a price for people. Praying witchcraft off of people. Praying witchcraft off of marriages and off of family. That stuff is real. Praying for people's peace. Praying for other ministers. Praying for people that I know talked bad about me. I know they did. I know they did. But I'm praying for those individuals. But he asked me to do that. Why? Because I chose to follow him. So if I'm going to say, God, I want you to convert me then I have to also be willing to carry everything else. Jesus said it like this. If you want to be my follower, deny yourself every day, daily, and what? Carry your what? Your cross. And I've realized that when I say that, I cannot just put this cross down. Monday through Friday, pick it up on Saturday because it's small groups and pick it up on Sunday, lay it back down. It's, it doesn't work like that. That's not productive. Guess what? That's not even effective. That's why this nation is considered a Christian nation, but it's lost. Because many don't carry their cross Monday through Saturday. Just on Sunday, waking up early, volunteering, serving. And listen, that's all cute and that's all needed, but that's not carrying our cross every single day. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, carry your cross what? Daily. Hay un problema, bye. Like they say, there's a problem. There's a problem now because I'm realizing that this is costing me something. I've realized that it has to cost me. I've realized that I have to get uncomfortable for this thing that I call the gospel. I've realized that I got to get uncomfortable even in the way that I give grace. I got to get uncomfortable in that because it's easy to forgive and love people by that treat you good. That's the easy part. You, you don't have to believe in God for that. That's easy. But it's hard to, to really love people. It, it, that word love, by the way, one of its definitions that Christ used to Jesus, it's really profound because it's, it's a love that means I'm going to love you for the benefit of you, expecting nothing in return. Now think about this, buddy. Th- think about this for a second. Like, me carrying my cross, him asking me to do a lot, is sometimes showing grace to those individuals that in my heart I say, they don't even deserve it. That takes a lot. 
It's possible, but it takes a lot. There's a cost to this. He acts little of those who do not follow him, and he acts a lot of those who do. Is all right so far? I want to read something to you that I thought was pretty interesting. Colossians 3.11. Colossians 3.11. There's a couple of things I have that I'm just going to highlight. The author says this. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised. No slave, no free. Basically, listen. Aquí, here... There's no black, white, Asian, rich, poor. There's no classes of people. But Christ is all in and all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint, complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. You see, it, it's going to cost me something. It, it, it's going to, God is going to require a lot because to do this stuff, we can't do it out of our own human strengths. Because let me tell you why. <clears throat> There's some people that actually deserved to get, how can I say this in a nice way? <laughs> to get treated not so nice. Because the reality is, Danny, that some people have done some real evil stuff, man. Like, listen, I, I know people who have been sexually molested by their father. I've talked to couples, right, where, where the person that they thought they married for years was actually a different person. Not for just one, two years. I, I, I've, I've known people who I've had conversations with where, where they, they thought they had a friend, and then all of a sudden there's a scandal behind their back. They're like, who are you? I know of individuals who have literally murdered another person because they were angry at them at the moment. And I've seen the tears of the mother, Danny. I've seen this. Crying. I've seen people stuck on drugs. Let me tell you why. Because of pain in their heart. Overdose. You know my job. I'm a firefighter, so I go to a lot of calls around here. And I see a lot of people going to people's houses. I see some, mess, some messy stuff, Danny. But I've seen them, and i know them. That's the crazy thing. I know them from they were little. And I know the stuff that happened. Now they're strung out on some stuff, and I'm pumping their chest so they can come back alive. And I'm thinking, dag, bro, when you were eight, this wasn't even a thought. Yeah. We were talking about playing baseball. Yeah. You thought you were going to be Michael Jordan. But pain came in. Yeah. Pain. Some people have, have, have some serious pain, Danny. Some real stuff. I'm not talking about you know, a little boss acting here and there or maybe... No, I'm talking about some serious stuff that has happened in their life. Fathers rejecting and mothers selling their own children. This is some real, this stuff goes on. And, and, and to me, I look at them and say, Dad, you got some right to, to, to be angry at that individual. But then Christ says this, but I forgave you. So now I'm calling you to forgive them. 
And in my heart, I was like, God, that, that's, that's pretty tough. But then there was a moment, Danny, where I realized that it was like a little, I don't know, little moment that I had personally with God, right, where I realized that it was like if I was on trial. And then I, saw, I started seeing all my mess. All my mess. And I started seeing all my deficiencies. You see, because we compare ourselves to people all the time. And when we compare ourselves to people, it's easy to say, I'm doing more. But people are not the standard. Grace is. Christ is the standard. He's the standard. So it, it was like, it was like, I saw myself and I said, wow. If I was in that judgment seat, you know what a judge would have told me? Guilty. Because I'm mad at them for what they did for me. But I don't realize all my mess that God gave me grace for. And I'm happy that God gave me grace, but I'm mad that he's not punishing them. Not realizing that he died, grace himself, the person of Christ, died for everyone. Because we all failed. We all have fallen short. I'm going to be real honest with you. This whole George Floyd thing had me kind of messed up. The case, the verdict stuff. We're having a good conversation, all right? Yeah. Yeah. Nah, Kai, what's up, man? You look sharp, boy. <laughs> hey. Um, it, it had me kind of messed up, right? Because I was like, man, that, that's, that's correct judgment. And then it hit me. Then it hit me. Because I'm mad. You know, I'm kind of frustrated about the situation. I'm, telling, I'm talking to my wife the other day, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of going back and forth on the situation. And, and I work closely with the police department, obviously, and stuff like that. And I see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that people don't even see. So I see the frustration of both sides. I do. And I understand it. But then I'm thinking, I'm like, dang. They're convicting him of all these charges and murder and manslaughter and stuff like that. But Christ says this. If you've hated someone in your heart, you too have committed murder. And I started realizing that we're throwing stones at this glass house, not realizing that if we were being judged by the one who is actually righteous, we will be guilty of murder also. And it's a tough conversation to have. It really is. Because we're looking at it, we're saying, but he deserves that. And then Grace is saying, yeah, but I paid for that. Are you just convinced of my grace for you? Or are you going to be converted enough to be able to love that individual also? That's heavy stuff, Danny, when you see pain in people. So I've realized that this whole thing with Christianity and this whole following Jesus stuff, it has to take me out of my comfort zone now, and it has to allow me to build relationship with people. Because if I don't build relationship with people, I don't know their story. I don't know their pain. I don't. You don't. And we're quick to... to judge somebody and to throw them, but we don't know their history. And, and if Christ didn't reject them, then how, how am I being a, refle a reflection of Christ when I'm rejecting them? It, it, it doesn't coincide. It doesn't go together. So I realized that it's going to have to cost me something. There's a price to this stuff. Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Because it's going to have to be bigger than ourselves. 
is going to have to be bigger than you and I. It's going to have to be bigger than just your own needs. It's going to have to be bigger than just you. Point number three. It has to be bigger than yourself. It has to be. This walk has to be bigger than just me being converted. Now it has to go into other individuals. I have to feel the same desperation that Christ felt at the garden when he was praying and interceding. Because if, I'm not, if I went from, from convinced now to being converted, guess what? His pain becomes my pain. His desire becomes what? My desire because scripture says what? If I abide in him, guess what? Then he abides in me. And what God loves, then what? I have to love also. It has to be bigger than just me. It has to be. And I've realized sometimes in my own personal life that I've been a little too comfortable, man. I'm serious. I, 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 can I sit down? Camera guy, bendito. Hope online. Hope you're good. But Danny, in my personal life, I realize that I'm being a little too comfortable sometimes. While people are going to hell, I'm just being comfortable. And that's just reality. Listen, we say we can't save everybody. But the reality is people in my influence, in my sphere, that I must reach, that I have to make a priority. And I've been a little bit too comfortable sometimes, just going through my regular stuff, not realizing that God is calling me to the more. Now realizing that it's bigger than just me, my ministry, my calling, and all this other stuff. It's bigger than just that. It's about him. It's about him, Christ, Jesus. It's about encountering him. I was reading something in scripture, scripture and, and it brought a thought to me because I've realized that Jesus said to himself, it's bigger than me. Let's just have a quick conversation real quick. Think about it. Jesus was in all glory. Like he didn't need nothing. Like he has angels worshiping him 24-7. Streets of gold. Dude needed nothing. Like think about the glory. It's even hard to describe. Josh, tell me something about God's glory. It makes you what? It makes you known, you said. It makes you numb. Okay, it makes you numb. Tell me something else. It, it's just right. It's just, yo, there's not enough words in the English language or any language, right, to describe his glory perfectly. Right? We like, like think, like, okay, um, he's as deep as the ocean, but then we know he's deeper than the ocean. It's like, okay, uh, he's as high as the moon. Well, he's beyond the moon. Earth is his footstool. That's a lot of glory. His mind is so big that he has numbered and given name to every star. And every star has a purpose. Now think about the stars, Josh. Just think about, just think about the stars really quick. Dude, that's a lot of glory. That's a lot of splendor. It's a lot of wisdom. Never needing nothing. Having literally his, his light being a reflection in heaven. Like the reason that there's glory in heaven is because he's there being a reflection. Christ looked at all of that and considered you bigger than all of that. Think about that. 
Think about that. No pain. No suffering, Danny. And he looked at me. He looked at you. Wow. Yo, that's crazy. That's so crazy. He looked at all of that. He said, oh, man, Jonathan is bigger than all this. What? My little frail self? My little donut eating, not working out. You know what I'm trying to say? Trying to read the Bible, falling asleep, trying to pray. and forgot what I was trying to pray for. Need a list of stuff. Self, like, really? You looked at all of that glory and said, Jonathan is bigger than this. So, so my point in today's conversation is that we have to be different. We have to. We can't preach about a Christ and say I'm carrying my, carrying my cross when it's not costing. When, guess what? That cross is not bigger than yourself. I've realized in my personal relationship with Christ that I have to go beyond my comfortability. And I actually had to start spending even more time with people. Yeah. With people. Yeah. With people. Loving individuals. Caring about them. Letting them know. And spending, and literally investing some time no matter their past, no matter nothing, no matter how much they annoy me, my gosh. I'm like, bro, get over that little hiccup already, bro. Pray about it. Get out, get out your way. Break up with her. Whatever. Get over it, bro. Let's walk this walk. Man up. <laughs> right? But I realize, Jonathan, it's bigger than you. And I realized that that was something really important to Christ. The little ones. Matthew 25, 31 and with this, I finish. Is that okay? I'm going to go back up here now. When the Son appears in, when the Son of Man appears in His ma- majesty, in all His glory, will all, of it, will of all of His angels by His side, He will take a seat of, of His seat on His throne of splendor, and all the nations will be gathered together before Him. That's a, that's a crazy picture, right? That's a I think, you know, I don't want to get all theological about it, all this theology stuff, but I think it's talking about second coming, Joshua. Second coming of Christ, you know. Not the rapture, second coming. But we'll leave it alone. Then it says, and like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he will separate all people. The sheep he will put on his right side and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, you have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. Look at this. But why? Why is that given? Look at this. Look at this. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. Listen up now. When you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. Yeah. 
Verse 36, and when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? When did we do this unto you? And the king, the Christ, will answer them. Don't you know? When you cared for the one of the least of these. And the king will answer them, don't you know when you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones? He called these people his little ones. My true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. I used to be homeless. So when I read that, it hits me because I remember the people that got uncomfortable for me. I remember the youth pastor that took me in. I remember. And every time we serve people, the homeless, every time that you give a little dollar, you know, to that person with the little sign that we sometimes we prejudge and say, we're not giving, I'm not giving them a dollar because they're going to use it for drugs. We're doing it unto him. It's bigger than us. Those in prison who have no hope. But he says, when you visited them, you you visited me. Those that were thirsty, when they were thirsty and you gave them to drink, you gave me to drink also. But why? How can this happen? How can you feed someone and also feed Christ? It is because Christ, listen to me, is not subject to time. So when Christ died on the cross, he felt the pain of people in 2021. Listen to me. It wasn't just a moment when Christ died on the cross, then he listened to me. Because this changed my It blew my mind. It wasn't just a moment. That on the cross happened for all eternity. That's why he's able to be a high priest. Like the book of Hebrews says. That knows my pain and suffering because he was there too. So while people are suffering in 2021 and today's day, guess what? He suffers also. That's why he continuously prays for us. That's why he's like our defender, our lawyer. Saying, no, no, pa, 
Father, I, I know the pain. I'm feeling it right now. From the cross to now, from convinced to converted, bigger. And I've realized that what would happen if we didn't need to schedule church events to actually feed the homeless? What would happen if the church would take on a mentality to say, I'm going to make this my daily cross. Whatever need is in my community, I'm not going to wait for something organized. It's already given to me to do. If it's organized, great, because we need that stuff. It's cool. But I'm going to take it upon myself, maybe with a couple of the brothers and sisters, just to meet the need in my community. Maybe my own apartment building. You know how many people on Poplar Street right here have no furniture? I have a friend named Alex Ramos, and I know time is ticking, and I'm almost done, and I love him because he's a wild dude. And for a second, I remember back in the day, remember when we used to go feed the people, the little sandwiches and stuff like that? I used to take people in my car. You're like, oh, you're crazy. But I've realized that I have to get to that point where I get myself uncomfortable and meet the needs of those. Because while I'm doing it, I'm serving the God that I'm proclaiming. While I'm giving grace to those people Remember I said grace is not something that just happens. It's a person you're introduced. So Christ is saying, when they were thirsty, you gave, me, you gave me something to drink. How? Because Christ has been introduced to that person. There's so much need. My point is this. What happens if the church says, I'll get com- uncomfortable to give grace unto people? And I start, I'll start doing what I can do in my own sphere of influence. And I'll start serving other individuals. I'll start giving grace to other people. Because I remember I was a lost wreck and I was homeless. And somebody took me in. And now look at where I'm standing. How, and, and my question is this. How many more Jonathans are out there? How many more Danies are out there? How many more Pastor Lewis's and... How many more people are out there that can do something explosive for the gospel, but because they're little, the little ones. Remember he said that? We're like, but we have to embrace those who he calls little. We have to embrace them. You imagine the church right now. There's a couple hundred people in this church. Imagine without no pastor, no nothing. Them themselves, because the, the head of pastors, Christ, has encountered them. And it started being led by Christ, the pastor, the shepherd. And when we see homeless, we're, we're meeting the need. Opening our doors to people that in the winter we know is brick cold out there. And this sounds like, oh, Jonathan, yeah, but it's uncomfortable. It's going to cost us something. He's going to ask me for a lot because I said that I'll follow him. My wife and I took in a friend of mine who was homeless, and I thank God I did. Because right now he's real successful. Thank God that we did. My, my wife and I, we took in my brother for a little while. He knew he was a pain in the butt sometimes. Because he didn't have nothing in Florida. I said, Papi, vente conmigo, come on. It was a little uncomfortable. We didn't have a lot of room. We just had got married and stuff like that. We're trying to organize our own lives. But come in, why? And now, because I understood the need. I, I was there also. And I know what Christ did to me. And I had to get uncomfortable. And I took him in. And now he's a good father. 
Now he's, my, my brother was a hot case. He was out there. You know, he's serving the Lord, peaceful at home, being a good husband, a good father. What would happen if Christ, if we really believe that Christ is who he is? What would happen right now if we make this bigger than ourselves? I believe this nation, this city will be transformed. I believe that there will be a wave of just God's glory all up in this place. Why? Because the sons and the daughters of God have been lifted up. I believe God's grace and mercy will, ex will expand upon, upon our nation and, and people will be hungry. Why? Because it is God's love that draws men unto repentance. And the reason some haven't repented is because they haven't, they haven't experienced true love. But I promise you, as soon as they do, hearts will be converted. Hearts will be going from convinced to conversion in Christ. Come on, can we stand up on our feet today? I'm going to say a quick prayer. That took way too long. Way too long. This conversation, you guys should have stopped me. Bobby, you should have talked to me. You should have said, stop. You should <laughs> Let's pray really quick. Listen. It's on you now. Bounce pass. Ball's in your court. You do whatever you want with this message. Put in your archives, whatever. Delete the file, whatever you want to do. You can practice it if you want. It's, the ball's in your court. But I believe there's a, there's a remnant of people that really... Well, take this word and say, man, I'm, I'm going I'm to be different. I'm going to be different. And I'm not, I'm not going to only show them grace. I'm going to reveal to them who grace actually is. Father, we thank you for the people in this room that will change this world. We thank you for the people in this room, Father, that will go from being convinced to converted. We thank you for the miracles. We thank you for the people in this room that will serve the little ones and as they serve them, they will be serving you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us conviction and bringing us outside of our comfortability. And thank you for allowing us to enter into carrying our cross daily. Thank you because I am not going to look to the left or to the right or before me or behind me. I am going to look to myself and say, what do you want me to do, God? Here I am. Send me and I'll go. Send me. Say that with me. If you believe it, say that with me. If you really want about this life, you want to be about this life, come on, say, send me, I'll go. Father, here we are. God, I don't even understand the dynamics, the, the dynamics sometimes that we pray, but you do, but your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. So, Father, here we are. We leave this place, but not out of your presence. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, citywide. God bless you guys.